Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey, 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 welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is Hemel Badiani. He's an entrepreneur with real estate focus. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of Sage Equity. They're a, a commercial real estate development and acquisitions company. They got their hands in a lot of different things, which I really enjoyed. That's what I enjoy about this conversation. They're doing, you know, they've got multifamily stuff. They're also entitling land, developing it, build to rent. Uh, talk, we talk about a 600 unit storage facility they did. So they've got their hands in a lot of different types of projects, big numbers, right? Multi-million, uh, tens of millions of dollars of projects. One project might be a you know $30 million project. So talking about how they structure the capital stack. And then I just really enjoyed diving in with Hemel on how, you know, his background, but then how he built the company. I'm very fascinated with entrepreneurs that have made the jump, put together the team. He talks about him and his two partners, how they structured that over time, how they raise capital, how they put the capital stack together, what the operations team looks like. So many facets of being a CEO of a, of a real estate company or multiple real estate companies. So just kind of talk and shop about all that stuff. Really smart guy was in management consulting for 15 years and um, just a sharp guy and just kind of spills the beans on, on how he's built it all and what they're doing. So I hope you enjoy it. I certainly did. We'll have a, hear a message from our sponsors, then dive into the episode with Hemel. If you could leave us a five-star review for the DJE podcast, that helps a ton. So thank you if you're inclined to do that. We'll have a message and then get into the show. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Amal, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. How are you, man? I'm great, Devin. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for inviting me, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Happy to happy to have you on, and looking forward to talking shop um, with a fellow entrepreneur here. You guys are doing lots of different things in and around real estate and related companies. So I, I want to unpack all that. But for starters, here, how about an intro? How you know what's your background? How did you get into this real estate business and the the related companies that you run? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, give you a short intro of my background, which has been fascinating, at least to me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was born in India. I, I lived an amazing, amazing life till, uh, till I was 19. And then one day I told my dad, I want to go to the US. Didn't know anyone here. And uh, fortunately, he, he was okay and supportive of that. And so right. I traveled uh, as a naive teenager over here, studied at uh, UNC Charlotte. Okay. Uh, then moved to London uh, uh, to uh, to chase my then girlfriend. I'm a wife of 20 years. All right. Uh, uh, really just got started there in the management consulting world. And so 15 years of across three continents, you know, 24 different projects, 
Fortune 100 companies, you know, standing in front of CEOs, CFOs, even as 22-year-old guy um, mm-hmm. telling them how, how things are in their world and how they should navigate, whether it's mergers and acquisitions or running the team or cost cutting or, you know, or growth or new products, a whole bunch of things. So I worked with everybody from Disney theme parks to the Vatican, uh, and it was just a fascinating learning exercise of working with different new teams, working with really smart people, understanding how to build teams, leadership, competencies, reading people, reading uh, and diplomatic conversations, et cetera, et cetera, just softer skills that you develop as a consultant because you're always on the, you're never on the home playing field, right? You're always uh, the, the, the other guy that goes yeah. in and is trying to uh, stir some stuff up uh, on, a, on a company that's already working and making a lot of money. So that, that was a great 15 year career. It was just focused on climbing up the corporate ladder, then uh, twin events happen, also called twin babies. Uh, now, 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 seven year olds, right? So, decided uh, to change up uh, life a little bit and uh, be a better father. Not, not uh, live out of the suitcase every mm-hmm. week that I was doing. Uh, and so, you know, climb down that ladder. And I'm like, I, I need to find something that's great because I am a senior executive here. I need to find another senior executive position, but also a little bit, you know, relaxed, uh, so to speak, um, and also allows me to stay home a little more. Right. And, uh, so transition to the banking world, believe it or not, and that was a walk on the beach from the eighty-hour. Oh week man, banker time. banker hours, right? That's yeah, a... banker hours, and yep. they, they were real, man. They were real. Yeah. Like we schedule meetings at six o'clock, and they're like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> we don't do meetings at we six. Don't do that. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, well, our meetings in consulting world start at 6 p.m. because you're on the client time till then. So right. anywho, um, yeah, did that stint for uh, for a few years while, you know, staying home and working remotely. And I had, I had a nice little cushy job, executive assistant, small team. Um, so it was beautiful, but also boring after six months of changing 5,000 diapers um, so it allowed me to introspect and uh, really reflect on what, what, where do I belong? What's my competency uh, and what do I want to do, right, at, right. at that, that stage in life? So that led to a little bit of clarity on, hey, I, I'm great at leading people, building teams, uh, inspiring folks, and really building, architecting a company or a team around things, whatever I touch it. Right, and that's that's what I've been doing uh, in the consulting realm, and as a as a consulting or strategy team on the banking side as well. So, um, started an outsourcing company, scaled that, and exited, and uh, uh, took that money, put it in a private lending shop that I started with friends and family, mm-hmm. and started lending to flippers uh, here in Charlotte. And I'm like, oh, they, they make more money than I do. <laughs> what are they doing? Um, so 2019, I started the wholesaling flipping business. And within a year, I quickly scaled it up to nine employees and you know, a whole bunch of texts that I was sending and really, really make, made it into a bigger business foundationally. Um, but wasn't enjoying it. Those distressed buyer conversations and things. They're that, tough. Yeah. Yeah. They're tough. Right. And so I'm, I'm a chicken. Uh, I don't like that kind of stuff, even though I'm providing value, I can tell that to myself. Right. Uh, it's never buying. a good story. Right. When you're it's buying never a, a, a distressed so, house. Yeah, exactly. So, I, and you know, at the cusp of 2019, I was at this phase where 
I'm like, I, I have this business that's making a ton of money, um, but my heart's not on it. I can mm-hmm. make it from nine employees to 90 if I want to, uh, but should I really be there? And at yeah. that point, I found a performance coach. I, I, I stalked him on Instagram and, and I liked what he had to say. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to hire you, buddy. And you need to tell me what I do here. And so this is two months before COVID. He, I had my first call with him and he said, you need to shut down your business because that's you can't go from being a senior executive into multiple corporate worlds and to being, you know, talking to distressed buyers and wholesaling. You need to find something different. And unless you climb down this mountain, you're not going to climb up another mountain. So right. Uh, two months before COVID, which I was shooting myself as soon as COVID hit, um, like uh, I, I shut down a, a significant stream of revenue uh, in the search of finding something else. And so that led me to finding, you know, hotels and other things. I was, you know, figuring out how to create where I can stay in my lane, but I can build a team around with a different mindset, speaking to a different set of sellers, different different set of investors, different right. set of buyers, right? And that led me to the commercial world. Um, I knew real estate enough on the single family side from my flipping, lending, wholesaling side to mm-hmm. jump into, you know, syndications uh, and uh, commercial stuff. And, you know, 2020 was the best time to buy distressed assets. So we gobbled up a bunch of assets in 2020, quickly built a team around I, my CEO, my acquisitions director. Um, 2021 came, maybe like, all right, this is seeming too pricey now. What do we do? Right. Right? So we started right. buying smaller stuff, um, but also then expanded into development, brought in a third partner, who, partner who's a head of our yeah, new development and land division. Excellent. And eventually expanded into land uh, development as well. So now... We have those three companies and then a fourth uh, foreign fund center that we bought last October. Um, so together through those four divisions, 13 people in the company, we're managing things mainly in the Carolinas. That's our playground. Uh, great stuff happening in Charlotte and surrounding areas. So allows us to stay in our backyard, understand the path of progress, build out the credibility with you know, folks on the politician side, you know, from sure. the council side. Um, you know, give back in that manner as well. Um, so that that's what we're trying to do is just stay stay in our lane and stay in our place in the Carolinas and build something here that is beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for the overview. That's quite a career there. And that's obviously a very short uh, version of it, but thank you for that. Uh, lots of questions come out of that, just in no particular order here. On the new construction side, how much of it is politicking where you guys are? Is that is it 5%? Is it 20% of kind of getting a, a big project pushed through? Yeah, the bigger the project, the percent, the higher the percentage, I sure. would say. Especially yeah. if it's if it has hairy, right? Um, if yeah. it's clean, then you're just in line for for the most part in terms of permitting process, et cetera. Right. But relationships, like anything else, helps, right? If you have right the the right relation to to the to the right people and just be authentic with that relation not to maneuver or manipulate but just saying hey our intentions are the best here's what we're trying to do you get a lot more help uh in terms of navigating things and saying hey guys you have five days before the next month if you skip these five days you're not going to get your permitting council meeting for the next six weeks because we're going right. to take a break now <laughs> yeah. so 
having that phone call, it makes all the difference in terms of how many months you might be delayed uh, or things that might happen in the construction process. So that, 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 that those, like any business, it's a people's business and so not right. more about donating or going into PACs and going to Senator meetings or anything of that sort. It's more about just, Hey, we are here. We are doing amazing things. We, we live in Charlotte. My kids call it home. This is our place. And this is where we want to build just like you are doing in San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real tangible benefit to that home court advantage that, um, it's just, it's, it's huge from, and it's all relationships. Like you said, broker relationships, owner relationships with the city, you name it. And it's incredible on the construction side, are you guys are doing uh, multifamily new development? Are you doing different, different asset times? Yeah, we've done a bunch. We've done a 600 unit self-storage facility. Um, We've done, we're doing a 29 high-end townhomes, like five minutes from downtown Charlotte. Cool being a multi as well. And we're doing one, we're going to do one built to rent community as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So you guys have all kinds of, with the common thread being the market, right? Common thread being the market and the common thread is uh, the land, right? So we yeah. found the land, we found the raw land, we entitled it. Right. And we made then the decision of not selling it. So now it's already having the built-in equity in the moat that yep. allows us to be in the construction world in this environment and with all the mistakes one can make uh, with rates and everything else or any uncertainties that can arrive, you can still make a tremendous amount of margin because you bought things that, you know, the, the value of the land and the cost basis is so low for us. Right. What does that entitlement process look like for you guys from a kind of a timeline perspective? We're, we're doing some construction on... Uh, small bay warehouse light industrial and once it goes once you break ground i mean it's like it's moving but the work involved getting it to break ground is like it's a lot of work and risk Um, so i'd I'd be curious what what that process looks like from hey here's a raw piece of dirt we're talking to the owner to hey this thing is ready to to uh, get some heavy machinery out there and break ground it did it entirely depends on the county yeah uh, the city so there are counties so that's one of the thing again advantages that we have like if it's a city of charlotte it'll mm-hmm. take you a year and a half to two years right now mm-hmm. go from raw land to permitting complete to break the ground yeah uh, that's what it took for our downtown charlotte townhomes but yeah. if it's outskirts of charlotte uh counties that are open for business right they're not too many nimbies yet or there are no sure. sewer issues and nimbies i mean not in my backyard right my backyard yeah right the people want to preserve the sense of their community rightfully so but also then uh you know protest on new development coming in and that along couple that with water and sewer issues or land issues and we have certain pockets around charlotte that we just yeah i wouldn't buy a piece of land for right. a dollar right, right. Um, it's not just open for business <laughs> right. um and so that you got to figure that out but after that it sometimes takes six seven months and we're done you know um it, it, at least the entitlement part, part of it yeah back to that home court advantage i mean you could really step in it if you're trying to do that halfway across the country without Without connections. Right? Exactly. And Charlotte's, the growth is just so amazing. Like like some of the pockets that you're in, you know, sure. for the next five to 10 years, we, we are planning to do at least 1,200 to 2,000 lots 
uh, per year um, in, in just the land division, right? And that's yeah. the beauty of having multiple, like I was in the banking and consulting side, you know, I always think about like the credit card business and the mortgage business, right? So the mortgage right. business is going down right now. Um, you don't need to do much on that side. You do the right cost optimization, but then you focus on your credit card business because that's going to go up. Um, and at the end of the day, your top line and your bottom line as a company with multiple divisions is much more predictable than if you just had one division or one asset class or one type of life cycle that you were focused on, right? And that's at least my vantage point. Totally agree. Um, we've we've branched out into a couple of different things and sometimes they support each other, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, the overall holding company is strong because you've got some divisions doing well while others are in a down cycle. Yeah. Thank goodness you've got it. You're not counting on kind of one thing. Now that's counter to what you might advise somebody starting out like, Hey, pick your lane, focus, you well, know, don't, don't chase shiny objects when you're first learning this business, but as in a more mature business. Yeah, absolutely. Being involved in different. And then you start to realize where the pockets of margin are too. You go, Hey, you know, we've got, we're going to pay for it. It's either going to be in-house or a vendor vendor. Yeah doesn't they're not doing great we probably do better we we'll take that margin yeah right? yeah so how how is it structured is it all uh you know separate entities rolling up to a holding company is it is it kind of just divisions of the same company how how is that have you built that over time yeah we we built it organically we started the existing divisions as two partners and then for the land and development we just brought in the third partner so now it's everything is one third one third one third and yeah. You know, it's uh, it's amazing because each of us has, if you think about, you know, the three main things to run a business, right? If you think about E-Myth or any other books that kind of talks about, there are three competencies, right? There's the one part is just the acquisitions part. Mm -hmm. The other part is the, the operational part. And the third part is the growth part, right? right. So I lead the growth side with the marketing, the investor relations, the debt conversations, the equity conversations, um, you know, operational, my partner, the CEO of the company, Yomash, does everything from the financials to day-to-day -to -day legal, all the operational challenges of property management, cracking the whip there, our director of asset yep. and kind of reports there. And then the acquisition part, Brandon leads with all the land entitlements, you know, broker conversations, et cetera. And so that works beautifully each of us staying in our lane and allowing us to put more things on the board and you know hand it off in the right manner whatever it's happening in the different depending on the life cycle of the company or the project yeah that's right they're very different hats <laughs> they're very yeah, different hats absolutely. to wear i absolutely. was just having a conversation with my coo this morning and um he's the operations guy right he's yeah. perfect but he yeah. you know he can't possibly see the world through my lens, which is I'm the growth guy. I'm yeah. the opportunity guy. I'm the new idea guy. And I couldn't possibly operate all day long. I lose my mind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, uh, and so, you know, he thinks I'm crazy because I'm like, Hey, what if we did this? And what if he did? And he's like, Oh, like slow, slow down. You know? So the, that's a real blessing in business to find counterparts that are complementary. Uh, and yes. enjoy working with and can kind of do it for the long haul. How did you guys find your development partner? Was that, um, was he a vendor? Was it through a mutual connection? Cause that's a, no. that's a pretty nice competency you bring to the firm, right? That's my superpower, man. I, I, cool. 
been blessed with uh, attracting just tremendously wonderful people around me. Uh, and this was random introduction through beers. Yeah. And we started talking about the vision of the company and he, he owned a small development uh, company himself. And he's like, at the end of the conversation over beers, he's like, dude, I'm selling my company. I'm joining you. And I'm like, that's wow. perfect. So yeah, you do have a superpower. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, that's how we, we haven't hired in, in, you know, in the consulting world and the other business worlds, you, you talk about hiring through all these interview processes and competency right. and things right. like that. And, you know, somehow we, we missed out, we, we hire through these conversations and then because they're driven, I, I, I tell people I hire drill sergeants, right? So they should be driven, they're loyal, they have high integrity. Uh, and they're resilient. Those four traits, if you have them, and you you have the ability to be a clean slate and learn from us, we can you can we can talk about our style and and you can do a tremendous jobs rather than bringing twenty years of a specific experience like like obviously an accountant or CPA or things like that. You need that. Sure. Uh, but in in these competencies like sales or marketing or asset management, you just you need that those traits more to be resilient and loyal, and and all churning in the right direction. Um, and so we've hired the person first because we found those traits, right? And then fit them into a role rather than you know posting on uh, on roles as of now. So we'll we'll see how things change as 13 people company versus a 30 people company, I'm sure is a different beast. Of course, of course. Yeah, we, I sure have seen a lot of that too over over the years, just kind of getting that personality right first and then and then letting the rest of the pieces fall in after that, which is really great if you can find if you can find those people. There's no question. Correct. Right. What uh, so? What does your day to day look like? Are you guys remote? Are you out in the field? Are you you know? Is it different every day? I'm always curious. Entrepreneurs that have had some success, you know, you can kind of structure it how you want. What have you? Yeah. What have you chosen to build as far as you know? What does your week look like? Yeah, we we've chosen to keep an office, right? So this is our conference room. We each, each of us has an office next to each other, and so we treat it as a almost like a nine to five job, yeah. right? Because yep. we are our own shareholders and stakeholders, but we are also the company's employees with a specific job and responsibility. Right. So we clock in, um, always doesn't have to be eight or 8.30, at least for me, because I, I like to come later. Sure. Uh, and that's not why I left my job. Um, but I come in I, and I clock out in the evening. I take my lunch break. I, you know, I walk on my lunch break and do all the things that I used to do in the corporate world that allows me to take that, you know, uh, hat off in terms of being an entrepreneur. And then I go home to my kids and my wife, then I'm there. Um, so there, there, that, that's one advantage. And the second advantage we found is just the huddle time that we, three of us get together Yes, kind of strategizing and talking through stuff. And hey, do you think this this makes sense? What, what do you think about these guys? I mean, just talking it out uh, in terms of a project or a task or, or things like that allows us to be uh, much more integrated as a lean team uh, than if we were working remotely. So we, we like this structure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We have an office and... Um... You know, we we're just having a meeting the other day with the accounting team. Where can we cut expenses? Things like that. I'm like, well, it's a spectrum. You could cut expenses down to everybody's offshore, yeah, fully remote, 
Hey, yep. we cut this office expense out, but it's like, that's not the only, those aren't the yep. only components in the conversation. There's plenty of other things to, to talk about. And especially in this era, kind of post COVID, we're seeing what's happened with the office sector and, you know, people, it's just been such a wild ride in the last three years with, yeah. with people working remote. And we, we actually worked remote for a couple of months because we were buying and renovating this office. We were, we're like fully remote company for a couple of months. And it's great that you can do it. Um, and you get the, the, the systems and tools and capability, but uh, in my mind, that's not a, it's not a long-term solution for a, for a vibrant right. company. At least it's not the way I want to do it. Yeah, if you're in a people business, you need to be, I mean, even when investors come, right? We don't have, we're not fancy guys by any means, right? So, and that's how we want to keep the company. Uh, But, you know, investors coming into the office, we have a whole wall of all our projects and things. We can walk them through, hey, this this is the land project. This is what we're going to go and now tour. And and that allows things to be real, right? And to have conversations and just like Jim Rohn says, think on paper. You know, I, I like to be on the whiteboard, even with investors, and say, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what might be interesting to you." Right. Except, so just a space that that we can call our own from a professional standpoint is magic. Yeah, that's right. And there's, I would imagine, as a management consultant, you're probably flying all over the place, right? At great expense to your employer absolutely. to have that face-to-face meeting, right? There's, yeah. they clearly place that much value on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What did? Uh, how did that? prepare you for entrepreneurship, the 15 years of management consultant. I've got a few buddies that own very successful companies. It seemed like it was a great setup for, for being an entrepreneur. What was your experience with that? Yeah, I, I think that's management consulting, just like if you want to be a salesperson, you go for like Cutco training, right? Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. You, yeah. Management consulting, in my mind, if you really want to be an effective executive uh, and leader of people, then you need to go through that more than financial stuff or anything of that sort. It's right. the the things that we, I used to get when I became a manager. I think it's an up or out policy. So nobody's putting yep. their boots up on the on the table and saying, "Hey, I've arrived in this place." Yep. Uh, you're always outworking really smart people in your company to be the best, right? Sure. So where your bonuses are dependent on, and if you come in the bottom ten percent two years in a row, you you're out. Yep. Uh, so it's a, extremely competitive uh, in, a, in a sense. And then it's all about soft skill. Every time I go to a new client, I go from the most technological company to now a utility company, which is almost like a government. And right. the, the utility company takes eight months to do a process that the technology company wants in three weeks, right? Yep. So now you explain to these guys who are, 20 years elder to you, they know their business, you don't too much, right. and why you should do things differently. And you know you have to figure out what their viewpoints are. Are they receptive to it? Are they aggressive to it? Are they going to sabotage? What's the organizational politics look like? So we used to get trained on, uh, we had a university of sort, every milestone you get into the ladder of success, you go to that university for two, three days, five days, and they would call CEOs of different smaller companies to do a role-playing session with us, mm-hmm. get into a knock on the door and go into a, an office and this guy or lady is sitting over there and you're there to deliver bad news to them. 
Yeah. Right. And then you first have to do a rapport building. You see they've written down, you know, another company's name or they have a, you know, a picture of their kids playing golf or whatever. And you're trying to assess the room and then you have to give them bad news. And if you don't do it well, they're going to kick you out, literally. Yep. Um, so that you get then you get videotaped on that and then you get you get training on it. So it was really reflective of what does, makes a good leader, what makes a good person in terms of reading diplomatically uh, different skill sets and different people and also having conversations where you're giving the point um, of the truth, but you're not trying to piss people off. So that those three skills were just unbelievable in terms of prepping me off for any business that I own, not just real estate. Yeah, that's a lot of practice uh, honing and fine-tuning those soft skills. So yeah. getting paid well for it, uh, along yeah. with, right? So yeah. that's uh, that's awesome. That, thanks for diving into that. I want to talk about, if you don't mind, your your deal structure. You know, how what's a capital stack look like? I know you're doing different things, so it's probably different for a built-to-rent community versus a you know, yeah. existing multifamily asset. But um, if you guys are bringing on outside capital, how do you go about it? How do you structure deals? Yeah, so we've done, uh, we, we started with the conventional syndication structure when we started, which was, you know, give a 7% pref return and then 70-30 split yep. uh, for a limited partners, 70% and general partners, 30%, and then a hurdle at some point. Um, that, 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 that was great. We, we required, you know, in, I think 2022, we raised 28 million bucks um, for, for, for our projects, so very successful uh, from that perspective, we've pivoted more now um, into two things. One, more JVs, because um, mm-hmm. we we see that people are getting jittery of, hey, I, I like the splits and I like the upside of um, having a 70-30. But in this market, you know, the upside might not be worth anything if the deal performs average. So. Right. We've, we've gone more towards, hey, can we give you 12% or 14% fixed returns, which is more than a 10 traff or anything of that sort, and yep. you know, but no upside. And then a lot of people are getting happier and you know, we're doing more JV deals on that structure. And then on our construction side, we have done where it's our own land equity. Um, so you know, we buy land for pennies on the dollar. Right. By rezoning it, the value increases 3x, 5x. So the bank recognizes that land equity plus our own money. Right. And then this foreign funds company that we bought, we stack on very cheap capital, typically 4 or 5%, no upside uh, on top of that. And then a little bit of common equity um, that's needed. So a project that, let's say a project required, you know, a $40 million construction project requires typically 15 to 18 million of common equity, right? The right? 35%. Um, we are stacking it up where we might require three to 5 million. And so we're raising less money um, and we're providing more fixed returns rather than the, the, the equity splits um, so it allows us to have a longer term horizon. We can refi them out, essentially all these investors, and then keep the asset for a longer term on the construction side. Right. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for for diving into that. I appreciate that. So many ways to to put a capital stack together, and over time you start to realize maybe some efficiencies or how you can get cheaper cost of capital. Yeah. What do you guys see? We're talking. Um, gosh, we're on the back half of two thousand twenty three now. Um, what do you guys see kind of for the rest of the year and, and into next year as far as what you what you'd like to be doing? 
Yeah, for us, I mean, I my crystal ball dropped and broke in 2008, just like everyone else's, right? right. That's uh, right. Yeah. So for me, I don't know what interest rates would be, right? The, the Fed's fighting multiple facets and there's just sure. more things happening macroeconomically than all of us can imagine what the impacts could be. So for us, multifamily existing stuff is not a play unless a deal lands in our lap. Yep. Again, that division of the company, we don't have to buy stuff because that's not the only thing we do. Right. And we ended we, 20, December 22, we bought a $26 million built-to-rent multifamily deal, brand new, almost brand new. Um, and that was the last transaction. We haven't submitted an LOI. We haven't tried to pencil any deal in the first six sure. months. We want yep. to do too much of that in the next six months is what we're looking at. So for us, the focus is land and construction because land you can hold with JV partners for a longer term. And the spread is so big. Uh, the margin is so big that allows us to continue playing in a growth area like Charlotte and surroundings. And then construction, you can slow play or, or make it faster depending on where the market is because right? yeah. there's fundamental still need for housing in this area and the barrier to entry from a construction standpoint because of the permitting process and delays and complexities is higher, right? So it's it's not like there's, you know, 50,000 houses or lots available for, for anyone to build in the Charlotte area by any means. So that allows us to be confident enough in those two areas to put our chips and bets uh, along with better capital stack that we can acquire because of the things that I mentioned around EB5, the foreign fund center that we bought um, it allows us to have a very cheaper capital stack and play right. the game better than anyone else that might be doing it. Yeah, huge advantage there if you can drive your cost of capital down. I, I love Absolutely. it. I love Absolutely. it. Um, perfect. Well, Hamal, I really appreciate you, you breaking down the business We could talk for the next 24 hours here on, on the, the nitty gritty of all the deals you guys are into. I love talking shop, but, uh, appreciate this really enjoyed getting to know you and your, your business. If somebody listening wants to connect, what's a, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah. Our company is Sage Equity, S-A-G-E equity.com. Uh, you can email me at Hemel, H-E-M-A-L at sageequity.com. Love to connect with and talk shop with anyone who's doing real estate or ancillary businesses or interested in the Carolinas, and we can point you in the right direction. Happy to help you. Outstanding. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can just scroll through and click through and check out Sage, Sage Equity. Uh, Hemel, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Wish you guys uh, continued success. Yeah. Thank you again for inviting me. All right. We'll see you. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.